Welcome to the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. I am your host, Paul. The wild card weekend is over, and there were a lot of blowouts and just embarrassing play from a few teams. The NFC East had a brutal weekend, and a rookie is taking the league by storm. Let's get into the games. Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. The Browns had done a decent job of limiting points after turnovers for most of the season. I thought this might be an issue the Browns would have to work through, but when both interceptions were returned for touchdowns, you don't give your defense an opportunity to limit the damage, and those two scores in the second half effectively ended the game. In the offseason, Cleveland will have to figure out why their defense isn't as good on the road, but they will also need to find out if Deshaun Watson is the future of their organization, as he's only played in 12 games in the last three years. He still has a lot of juice left, but has the game passed him by. I've made it clear how I feel about Watson as a human being and the Browns as an organization for throwing everything at his feet, so thinking about what they can do to improve their team makes me sick. I don't want them to improve until they remove the cancer and remove the element which brought the cancer in. For Houston, C.J. Stroud is quickly making people forget he is a rookie. This wasn't a completely clean game from him as he missed a wide open shot down the field, but if he missed in this game, it was away from danger, which despite not being a strong road defense, the Browns are still a capable defense of generating turnovers and limiting damage. There is a lot to like about the Texans moving forward, Beating the Browns was a double whammy as they own their first round draft pick as part of the Watson trade. But moving up to grab defensive end Will Anderson Jr., the pick after selecting C.J. Stroud, did empty the draft cupboard a little bit. But they still have an early 20s pick, a pick they would be better served to get some offensive line help. They'll have a tough matchup in Baltimore, but they are playing loose and with nothing to lose. Viewed as years ahead of schedule, sometimes you just make your own schedule. Miami at Kansas City. The Miami Dolphins have a lot of questions they'll need to answer before the new league year begins. The two major questions are, is Mike McDaniel the answer, and is Tua Tungavailoa a starting quarterback in this league? I want to start with the latter because Tua was terrible. He was scared. He showed the world that he is not a winner. We'll get into the offensive play calling later, but even if that was the issue, good quarterbacks raise the level of play. They raise the level of the plays that are called. They move, they direct, they lead. Tua was completely fine checking every single pass down, and it was insulting as a fan to watch. There was no urgency. When the Dolphins strung a few plays together late in the second half, down three scores, and rather than running a hurry-up offense, using that momentum, they were completely content in running the clock down, allowing the Chiefs' defense to reset. I've never seen a team in the playoffs want to win less than I saw with the Miami offense and their leader under center. As for Mike McDaniel, he will face scrutiny for how his team performed offensively in Kansas City. Let me be clear, the temperature was not the factor here. The offense was playing in the same conditions the Chiefs were, but instead of amping up, they ramped down with no play creativity, or at the very least, McDaniel allowed Tua to keep dinking and dunking throwing pass after pass at or behind the line of scrimmage. Perhaps the early interception over the middle ruined Tua's confidence, but this was no time to sit back and hope Hill or Waddle or Mostert or Achan could break one from the line of scrimmage. They have some of the fastest players in the NFL, players who should help create pockets of space on the field. But when 90% of your throws don't travel more than a yard, the field for the defense shrinks and those opportunities to get players in space never materializes. 
which is unfortunate because despite all of the injuries to the defensive side of the ball, I thought Vic Fangio had that defense playing hard and with heart. They were playing guys they signed this last week and got everything out of them they could, but the offense absolutely buried them, and they quickly wore out. For the Chiefs, you know, just another home playoff win. It wasn't a clean game for sure, as they were still plagued by drops, but Mahomes was fearless in driving the football down the field on deep and intermediate passes. Travis Kelsey struggled to hold on to the ball the most, but the player who is really finding his stride is rookie Rasheed Rice. Every time Mahomes needed a big play, the rookie was right where he needed to be, and he seemingly caught everything thrown his way. With the youngest defense in the NFL, having a young, reliable wide receiver will go a long way to sustaining their championship window. Green Bay Packers at the Dallas Cowboys. What can you say about the Cowboys that hasn't been said the last 20 years? And for me, it starts at the top. I think Jerry Jones is a very capable owner, or GM, but he struggles to do both and maintain that separation of duties. I believe Jerry gets too close to his players to be an effective GM and to make the tough personnel calls. The Dak Prescott contract isn't great. The old Ezekiel Elliott contract wasn't great. And Mike McCarthy has not gotten this team any closer to a championship than the previous coaches, aside from just making the playoffs every year. Too often we see this team come in with all the hype and they just lay an egg. I believe the Dolphins are a soft team and I believe the same about the Cowboys. Dak is a good quarterback, but he's a soft quarterback. McCarthy is a good coach, but he's a soft coach. There is no leader on this team who can elevate their play when it comes to the playoffs. If everyone comes back next year, there's nothing I see that tells me they will be better or go further in the playoffs. At the end of the day, Dallas was looking forward to Detroit, and they fucked up. The Packers, on the other hand, were not about to let this opportunity slip through their fingers. One game does not make a player, but Jordan Love looked as confident as I've seen him all season. Part of it was the Dallas secondary was trash, but Love made some big-time throws, and after rumors to being traded to the Chiefs, Romeo Dobbs had himself a huge game, leading the team in receptions and yards with 6 and 151 to go along with the touchdown. They jumped out to a quick 27-0 lead in the first half and eventually got up 48-16 before the Cowboys got some garbage touchdowns. So I won't speak too much about the defensive numbers, but Prescott did throw for over 400 yards, and the Cowboys were able to move the ball well after their first few possessions. But all in all, this was just an impressive and decisive win by a team not many people had making the playoffs, let alone going into Dallas, where the Cowboys hadn't lost in 16 straight games. They immediately took the crowd out of the game, punched the Cowboys in the mouth, and didn't stop punching. It was relentless, and I enjoyed every minute of it even though this is the team San Francisco will be playing next weekend. Los Angeles Rams at the Detroit Lions. What many thought would be the best game of the weekend was. I felt this game had the best blend of intrigue, coaching, and player dynamics than any other game, and as I am someone who romanticizes sports, this had a very satisfying ending. For the Rams, they had a great second half of the year and have a lot of solid youth to build around but will have question marks at quarterback as Matt Stafford is a few years away from retiring, whether he believes it or not. However, another season of Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Kyron Williams should invigorate Stafford and Sean McVay going into the offseason. And while the quarterback position needs to be addressed sooner than later, what is needing immediate attention is the defense. 
Aaron Donald has a big decision to make in the offseason, but even if he returns, a major focus needs to be on the defensive side of the ball and establishing depth. It's been 32 years since the Detroit Lions have won a playoff game, and 30 years since they hosted a playoff game. Detroit handled the back and forth between the Rams, and while they aren't a perfect team, they are a tough team. Jared Goff, the Lions, and the Lions fan base exercised a lot of demons this weekend. They get another home game and will need to work on their pass defense, but more importantly, the players and coaches can't get caught up in this one win. Their expectations at the beginning of the season were higher. That will need to be their focus as they prepare for their next game. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. Pittsburgh snuck into the playoffs, but were clearly overmatched. A slow start offensively did them in, but they did well defensively to slow the bleed to allow Mason Rudolph's comeback attempt. But the talent disparity was just too much, and Pittsburgh was never really close to making this a game. Mike Tomlin did a great job of getting his players up for the second half of this season through multiple quarterback changes, but now he will go into the offseason with his future in doubt. I do think he will be welcome back, but in a season when Belichick, Carroll, and Vrabel were dismissed, it wouldn't shock me to see the Steelers' ownership make the same move. Even if they don't, Tomlin himself might resign and force the team to jump into the coaching pool. And while this team has some strong players on both sides of the ball, they don't have a quarterback. And by making the playoffs, they severely limited their ability to go out and draft a player they want. Making the playoffs is great, but if you don't make it count, it can really affect the team's ability to get the players they need to make deeper playoff runs. Now the Bills did what they were supposed to do. It wasn't pretty at times. And then it was phenomenal at times. This game represented a lot of what the Bills are, great in spurts, bad in others. We have to love is Josh Allen had no turnovers and had one of the great runs for a touchdown this year. When Allen looks like this, you wonder why he hasn't won an MVP yet. But it comes down to consistency, and hosting the Chiefs next week will challenge that. The Bills did a great job of running the football and controlling the clock. The defense isn't great, it's good, but again, they'll need to overcome injuries to get to the AFC Championship game. Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. To end the weekend, the Buccaneers just slapped the Eagles across the face with a 2 by 4 and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Running the football was a bit of a labor for Tampa, but when they threw it, they had guys open. And the biggest concern they have moving forward is all of the drop passes they had because Detroit is not going to lay the egg the Eagles just did. The Tampa offense is predicated on running up the middle and intermediate passing lanes. Baker Mayfield is looking like the man Cleveland was hoping he would be when they drafted him in 2018. He fought through injury issues and looked really solid and led his team to a win. Now, if you've been paying attention, I focused on the losing team first and moved to the winning team. This was the most satisfying game of the weekend for me, and for many reasons. All offseason, I read how Eagles fans and players were sick of hearing how San Francisco was upset that they didn't have their quarterback in their game, that if Purdy had remained healthy, the NFC Championship game last year would not have been close. The Eagles and their fans dismiss this the same way Donald Trump dismisses science-based facts, the way the Vatican dismisses sexual misconduct against children, the way my fourth grade teacher dismissed my need to use the little boy's room, causing me to piss my pants and have to pretend I spilled my water bottle on my lap. 
For those who have listened since we started, you know my hatred for Philadelphia-based sports and their fandom. I need you to know it is sincere. I despise everything Philadelphia-based. Eagles, Phillies, 76ers, cream cheese, and whatever shit-for-brick hockey team Philly fans call their own. Because if I know one thing about hockey fans, they are the most loyal fan base in all of sports, and my exclusion of their name is like nails on a chalkboard. At the beginning of the league year, everyone was all over Howie Roseman, talking about how he was able to have so many great drafts year after year, and now we know why. They aren't good drafts. They didn't get good players. They were band-aids that good coaches like Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon used to move their team forward under the lecherous and degenerate Nick Sirianni. What we saw Monday night was a team that has no discipline, no identity, no clue how to win a game. This is a five-win roster, but managed to squeak by early in the season on the shadow of what they were last year. Teams were afraid until San Francisco showed everyone what was behind the curtain. Nick Sirianni should be fired, but if he isn't, they will be drafting in the top five of the 2025 NFL Draft. Moving forward next Saturday, we have the Houston Texans going to Baltimore to take on the one-seed Ravens, and the Green Bay Packers will be in Santa Clara going up against the NFC one-seed San Francisco 49ers. Then Sunday, Tampa Bay goes to Detroit, and Patrick Mahomes plays his first road playoff game in his career as the Kansas City Chiefs travel to Buffalo. That will do it for this episode of the Winner's Guide to Losing Football Bets. Stay safe.